Welcome to the Supersize Phys Ed Podcast. My name is Dave, and today I want to talk about taking risks. Yes, how to be a risk taker and some examples. So without further ado, here we go. All right, everybody. First of all, I am writing my second book. So I have some new principles that I wanted to put forth to the universe. And as I'm writing my book, I want to kind of put it, put these out to you. Now, if you haven't read or purchased my first book, I do appreciate it. If you already have and have read it, um, definitely leave me some feedback. I know some of you already have, so I appreciate that. And if you have not, that's okay. But uh, it'd be awesome if you did. So I, when I talk about these things, you'll understand what I'm referring to. So my book, The Teacher, The Chef, and The Hockey Player, has some characters in it and that are clearly like, you know, a teacher, a chef, and a hockey player, and other people as well. And in my second book, I'm trying to up the ante with some of these principles, which I call the PE9. So one of the examples or one of the principles in the second book is to take risks. Now, I know it's an obvious, easy one, and you could think of a lot of different things when you think of taking risks, risks. but I want to tell you about a few examples from my own life and even for PE that might help you along the way. Now, this isn't an exactly a boomer edition, and if you hear the thunder in the background, it is not looking great outside, so bear with me. But like I said, I want to give you a few examples of risk-taking, and I'm not a big risk-taker, um, although I did go skydiving once, and that was pretty cool. And that's actually in my book, um, Going Skydiving, which is definitely a risk that I took. But I think risk-taking is very important in PE. It's important to go out to your outer led- edges and really see what's out there. It's okay to take risks and and be wrong or to make a mistake. In I have, oh, I have tons of examples, I feel like, of... of making mistakes. And, you know, we call that fail first attempts in learning or frequent attempts in learning. Um, you know, I, I just think it's, that's how we learn. Actually, I know that's how we learn. Um, you know, everybody will, everybody famous and even not so famous will tell you that the best way to learn is by taking risks and failing because that way you learn how to succeed and how not to succeed. So one example that I like to tell, I don't know if I've told the full story, maybe a long time ago on this podcast, is about my former principal, Mr. Vetter, Mr. Joe, Joe, Joseph Vetter. He is the one that hired me to teach PE. Actually, he hired me to teach third grade. I was a uh, classroom teacher for, um, at this point, about seven years. I did take a break from teaching for a little bit. And that's another take a risk-taking thing. I, I, I got out of the teaching profession for seven years and went to work for my dad at his grocery store. And uh, yeah, I wanted to get back into teaching. So the school right next to where I live uh, had an opening for, um, I think it was just, um, I don't know if primary or intermediate, probably intermediate, intermediate opening. Actually, that's what it was because that makes more sense. And he gave me the choice. He's, he's a great guy. He gave me the choice of either fifth grade or third grade. And I had taught th- uh, fifth grade a few years, and I never taught third grade, so I just wanted to take a new challenge and teach third grade. Well, over the summer, the PE teacher quit and decided to do virtual 
you know, online teaching. And he called me over the summer um, while I was doing a, he, and he knew I did kids camps and I was a personal trainer. And he asked me if I want to be the PE teacher. And I said, yes, right away. So, uh, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, outside every day, 120 to 140 kids, three paras who didn't, uh, I didn't always see eye to eye with, although eventually it got a lot better. And, you know, it wasn't easy. But that's not even the story I want to tell you about because some of you are like, well, if you, and they've been listening to me for a long time or at least a little bit, you probably heard that. Um, and I, because I, I always consider myself lucky that I got into PE because of him. So this story, um, and I put in the book, my new book, is about how, and I just changed characters. My, uh, when he was, let's see, it was my, probably my second year with him, uh, maybe third. I'm not really sure. I'd have to go back and really think about this. Uh, about middle of the year, actually a little bit before Christmas, like nobody had seen him. Like he just kind of disappeared. And we all knew that he had uh, cancer that that in the past and he wasn't that old. He was 53, 54. He, and by the way, he was a fantastic principal. I mean, he was just, the kids loved him. The teachers loved him. It was, he was great. And he, and the school was great. Well, he, um, again, nobody had really knew what was going on. There was kind of whispers of maybe his cancer came back. Um, nobody was really sure. And, uh, again, I'm not trying to make a long story or I'm taking a, trying to make this a long story, but he, um, Eventually, they, they, uh, like I said, I think in the spring of that year, because he, I mean, basically disappeared. Um, like I said, and the, the assistant principals were taking over everything. And uh, there was a faculty meeting. I want to say it was before, I don't, I guess it would have to be either before school or I, I just can't remember. It's, this has been a good 10 years. Or it was uh, on a teacher work day. And I think that's what it must have been, where, he came in and nobody saw him come in. I think they, they brought him in through the, uh, like through the side door, through the back door. And he was in the media center waiting for all of us. And we came in there and he announced that he had, uh, put in his resignation. He physically couldn't do it anymore. His cancer had returned and he would just have, he'd have to quit. And, uh, you know, not, not a dry eye in the house. It was, it was very emotional. Um, he expressed how much he cared about all, all of us, how much he loved all of us. And I remember as I was standing in line, we were all kind of saying goodbye to him. He said to me, uh, you know, you turn this, the PE program around. Thank you so much. And I'm like, I'm like, this isn't about me. This is about you. You know, I told him I'm praying for him and, and thinking of him. And, you know, he said, prayers are good. Prayers are good. And, uh, you know, I thought that was the last time I was, I would ever see him. So, you know, that, that was, that was going to be it for me and seeing, uh, you know, my, my mentor, my, one of my, I mean, I've, I've had two favorite principals. He was definitely one of them and I never thought I'd see him again, but a couple weeks later I was, uh, walking through the office area. It'd be hard to explain, but basically, uh, you know, where people, there's the office and then there's the kind of the side, uh, hallway where the other, the APs and the vice or the principal's offices, and I was just walking through there. Um, can't remember why. I think I was talking to the bookkeeper or something. And he, I saw him in there uh, with the door mostly closed with, uh, it looked like a bunch of people in there. And I walked right by and I went out the into the main hallway 
And I'm not kidding you. I had this feeling like, just stop, like stop and turn around uh, or you're going to regret it forever. And maybe it wasn't that exact voice, but something like that. And I basically said, and I don't swear on the show. So I'm going to say, I, I basically in my mind just said, screw it. And I turned around and, you know, went back and knocked on the door and it was like all administration and his wife was in there and, um, you know, it just looked like a big get together that I was crashing. And I said, you know, I'm so sorry. I just, I saw you and I just, I just wanted to say hi. And he's like, no, 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 come on in, come on in. And, uh, he was just so kind and he introduced me to his wife and, you know, it was just, it was a nice, it was a long conversation, but it was, I felt really good about it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm never going to forget that. And the way he made me feel and the way I had some closure, I guess, seeing him. And I'm always going to be indebted to him for hiring me and giving me the option of teaching PE. So that was the last time I ever saw him. He passed away um, about a month or two later. It, it was I know it was during the summertime because I was, unfortunately, I couldn't make it. Uh, we had a trip to New York planned. And I even said something to the uh, the principal's his secretary, I said, you know, I'm just, I'm so sorry. I, I just don't know if I can make it. Maybe I, I, I can see if we change the plans. She said, she said, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, he wouldn't, he would never have wanted you to do that. So, um, but what we did was we did a summer camp, me and some friends, and we raised some money for his, uh, he was kind of like a, fo- a foundation his wife put together to bring uh, more books and things to our library, our media center. So, you know, just that felt really good. And I don't want to go too much longer in this story. It's kind of been a long story, but, you know, that's just one example of something. I felt like I took a risk. It was related to PE, um, sort of, I guess, at least to school. And I know I would have regretted that if I never took that risk. I know I would have. And I'm so glad I got to see him that one more time. So uh, again, this isn't a boomer, but that would be where the boomer is. There's that, that's kind of like a number one kind of thing. All right. I'd say another one is when I went to revisit my old house. I lived in a house in the Buffalo area. That's why I'm a Bills fan for um, for like since I was between the ages of three and about 21. I lived in this house and I mean, I loved it. It was my house. It was all I knew. You know, I didn't really remember my (laughs) <laughs> the house when I was between one and three, or when I was just born to three. And, you know, I grew up in this, this great cul-de-sac, you know, everybody knew everybody, uh, all the kids, you know, everybody kind of stayed. And, like there was very few people that moved and came in and came out and, you know, moved out. And it was a, a nice tight knit, you know, group of adults and kids. And uh, it was just a great place to live. And, when I would go back and visit, usually every summer, because my parents had, they just sold, unfortunately, our summer or their summer house up there, we would visit, we'd kind of drive by the old neighborhood and I'd show my kids and my wife, hey, there's my house and there's whoever's house and there's our, our neighborhood and there's whatever. So uh, a couple of years ago, we went and there was somebody like doing work at my old house. And uh, my wife is like, well, let's. Let's, it looks like it was being sold. I think she looked it up and she saw that it was, it was just sold or something like that. And she's like, well, maybe they'll let us go in the house. And I was like, no, no, we're not gonna, I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. And she's like, well, park the car and I'll go ask them. 
And she did. And the guy, <laughs> um, he actually graduated with me. I don't remember him. And he doesn't remember me. We remember the same friends. We kind of ran some of the same circles, but um, I didn't remember him. <laughs> Again, he didn't remember me either, but he was very nice. And he said he was just doing work on the house and, you know, we could walk through it uh, as long as we didn't mess anything up and don't get hurt. And uh, it was just really neat to do that. It was, again, a risk that really she took, my wife, and I was a little nervous to do it or just, you know, just, but just ask. You never know. The answer could be no, but it, if it's yes, like that, you know, that was incredible. I got to show my kids and my wife my childhood home and it was awesome. And I got pictures and videos with the kids in there and, you know, just again, memories that you're never going to, you know, forget. Obviously, because I'm talking about them now. I just <laughs> I have a few things jot, jotted down, and one says Mr. Vetter, one says my old house, and I have a few other things on here. So um, maybe I will make it a boomer. So that is number two. I just had to add a boomer. Sorry about I didn't I didn't do the transition between number one and number two. If you heard it, that means I went back and did it. I don't know if I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm going to do that or not, but I felt like I needed a transition. I didn't number these in any order or anything like that. I'm just like, eh, I want to talk about a few things here. So I guess number three, hey, number three is uh, I think a really neat story. So and the history is littered. I don't know if that's a good word or bad word with people taking risks or bands in this case, taking risks. And it doesn't always work out. But, you know, in this case, it did. One of my favorite groups of all time is Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. I wish I was around. I should have been around in the, you know, when they were around in the 70s, I was a kid. I mean, like young, young kid. So I didn't really get to experience them till after they um, or at the end of their career. And also after they were broken up or like disbanded because, you know, John Bonham died. Um, but anyways, a, a huge risk that I didn't know about till, you know, I was an adult. I didn't, I didn't know this, some of this stuff. When they did Led Zeppelin 4, which really has no name to it, but it's one with Stairway to Heaven, if you don't know, and other big songs. Uh, Going to California is actually my favorite song by them. It's, uh, it was a big risk, the way they did it, the way they packaged it. They decided, it was kind of a, <laughs> I said the word screw you, or screw before early. It's kind of like a screw you to the music critics. They did not uh, get along with a lot of like the Rolling Stone people or... Uh, it just critics just didn't get them. They didn't like them. The kids got them, but the adults didn't. And so they decided, even though the record company begged them not to do this, to promote it with no uh, cover, like nothing on the cover. Just uh, you know, no, it doesn't didn't say Led Zeppelin. It was just a picture of an old man uh, carrying like sticks and things like that. And it didn't say on the back the the songs. It had no way. You had no way of knowing it was Led Zeppelin. Unless uh, just by word of mouth, I guess, and by maybe the the people in the record stores, and it was sold uh, some places sold them in like a brown uh, paper bag, basically like wrapped around it. So, you know, they, they again they begged them not to do this, and it turns out it was <laughs> it was amazing. They sold you know obviously millions and millions, and Stairway to Heaven's still the most I believe requested or no sorry the most played song ever on the radio. Um, so just some amazing, something, uh, it just inspired me, um, to inspire me to, you know, go out and make a record or, but it inspired me that, you know, they took that risk and it paid off. Now it doesn't always pay off, but I thought that was a really good example. I'll make this, that a short one. So th that is number three, Led Zeppelin. Let's go.
All right, number four. I actually have a lot of them written down. A lot of these things. I I know I said I just had a few things written down. I have a decent amount because of my book. I'm gonna say this will be about my parents risking. They risk everything to buy the store um, that we had in. Well, the we had four stores total. My parents did, and I never would have been in this situation. It's amazing how things work out, right? So I never would have been here in Florida if it wasn't for them taking this risk. So when we were in Buffalo, my dad lost his job. He was a, uh, like a meat guy. He was a meat cutter at a grocery store. And then he became like the meat manager and kind of worked his way up to like a manager at the store. And, uh, he eventually got fired. I mean, it wasn't his fault. The, The company got built, uh, sold and everybody lost their job, basically all management. So, and my mom was a nurse and they, they risked everything to buy a store. It was a small store in Florida. And it, I mean, you know, if that wouldn't have worked out and almost didn't, I mean, they maxed out the credit cards. My dad was working, you know, I felt, it felt like a million hours a week. He actually moved before, like I was, I was in college at the time. I got to think of the timeline. I was in college at the time and he moved down. We didn't see him that much for a little bit. And then my mom moved down and with my brother when he finished high school and I was still up in Buffalo finishing up college. I was by myself up there for a little bit. I I mean, I lived with my, uh, his, well, my, my uncle, my dad's, my dad's brother and his family. So, I mean, it worked out, but my parents risked everything to buy that store. And then after that, they, sold that actually, no, they bought another store and then they sold the first store and bought another store. And, you know, things snowballed from there, but, you know, I really admire them for taking that risk. I mean, they risked all their money, all their savings, everything. I know a lot of you have a similar maybe situation or story. It just, these are the kind of stories that inspire me. It doesn't have to be Led Zeppelin. It could just be your family. It could be somebody, a friend, anybody, you know, that risks, you know, again, maybe not risk their lives uh, in that kind of way, but they risk their livelihood. And, you know, again, if it wasn't for that, I would never come to Florida. I'm, I would doubt, I'm doubting I ever would have been a a PE teacher. Not that that's why they bought the store or anything, but it's just the way things work out is sometimes amazing. So that is number four. My parents bought a store. funny when I recorded this, I didn't think of this long of a, an episode and I didn't think I was going to do a boomer and I might even do a cowbell. We'll see about that. It's kind of unfolding in a different way. I thought so number five, I saved a, I think a really good story for the end. I want to make sure I get this part of the story, right? Though um, I had to look this up cause I was like, there's no way this happened. So Sylvester Stallone, obviously from the Rocky movies and, and everything else. And some of you younger Children out there, more like the Expendables, or is that what it's called? I don't. I never seen any of those. Um, in the original, okay, let me back up. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was a struggling actor. He was getting very few roles. He wasn't doing well, um, and he decided after he saw Muhammad Ali fight. I don't have the name with me. He fought somebody, and. The guy actually knocked Muhammad Ali down. He didn't win the fight, but he knocked him down. And that inspired him that night to go out and write 
the first, well, the first, what would become the first Rocky movie. And he wrote it in a few days. So he pitched this after an audition to, and I, th- I think he didn't get, he actually didn't get the part, but he pitched the, this uh, film or whatever, um, the script to that producer. And the producer said, okay, c- bring it back, you know, at the end of the day. And he did. And the producer actually liked it. But they, what they wanted to do was pay Stallone a lot of money to not be in it. Like, okay, we're going to, you're not the actor, but we're going to, you know, set you up and, and give you some money here. And I actually should have told you this beforehand. He just recently before that he had, I mean, he was, I mean, living meal to meal, like, I mean, hardly having any food in his house, uh, in his small place. He actually sold his dog for, uh, food. I mean, he had like nothing and to offer this, you know, the, what the producer offered him, I think it was like $25,000 or something like that for the, the script. Well, he is speaking of taking a risk. This is a huge risk. Cause I mean, he was poor. He was broke. He sold his dog. He said, no, he actually went, um, no one wanted him in the movie because they, you know, just, he just, they just wanted a bigger name and he wasn't it. And he stuck to his guns and refused. And um, so they said, okay, so we're going to give you what amounted to like a lot less money. You can be in it, but you're not getting as much money. And if this bombs, it's on you. And uh, obviously it didn't bomb. It, it, uh, it went really, really well, made millions of dollars. And the good part is he got his dog back. He And his dog actually was in the first two movies, that same dog. So I just think that's an incredible story. I mean, he could have said, okay, you know, I wrote a decent story. And I, I think they didn't even use all the story. It was just the basic concept of it because he wasn't like a, a, a screenwriter or, you know, big time producer or anything like, like he didn't, he didn't really know what he was doing, but the concept they liked and he, you know, he could have taken the money, but he said he would have regretted forever if he would have saw his, you know, somebody else acting in that movie and, you know, especially if it hit big, which it did. So I just love that story. Um, that's the main part of it that he just, he took that risk. He, you know, on himself, he risked himself, you know, he bet on himself, I guess is what I should say. He bet on himself and he won. And, you know, the Rocky franchise made, I, I believe it was over a billion dollars with all the movies together and everything like that, you know, just unreal. And, uh, you know, I just think it was a really cool <laughs> way to bet on yourself. And that's a great story about risk-taking. So that is number five. And now it is time for your cowbell tip of the day. All right, everybody. So what does all this nonsense mean? My former principal, my former house, my parents risking stuff, their, well, everything to buy a store, um, Led Zeppelin, Sylvester Stallone. I actually have a lot more, and I'm sure you do as well, examples of risk-taking. What does this mean for PE? So I would think, you know, just going for it. If you have an idea, and by the way, I've done this a lot where I had these crazy ideas and I would go to my principal. Um, it, it was Mr. Vetter for a little bit. Then I was the principal after him. 
And now it's my current principal. Just with these sometimes wacky ideas, sometimes really good ideas. And, you know, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there and ask and try and, you know, take a chance. I've heard this quoted before, something like, don't teach the same thing for 20 years and call it a career. I think it was just a generic thing about don't do the same thing for 20 years or 30 years and call it a career. Same thing with PE. Don't teach the same thing for 20 or 30 years and say, you know, I did a great job. That was my career. Change things up. Take a risk. You know, take chances. You know, ask and you might receive. Write grants. Get new equipment. These are the kind of things that I'm hoping this will inspire you and inspire me because when I make these podcasts, it's a lot of times it's about me giving myself a pep talk. So take chances and be a risk taker. Be a risk taker. There you go. There it is. And that's your cowbell tip of the day. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And again, if you haven't got my new book yet, The Teacher, The Chef, and The Hockey Player, I encourage you to get that because there is a digital copy and there is a regular copy and it's pretty good and teaches you the PE9 principles along with a new one about risk-taking and some examples. So have a great week, weekend, whenever you're listening to this. You are awesome. Yes, you. Keep teaching, keep doing a great job, and let's keep pushing our profession forward.